0: Along with Carol Zerniel a nationally known gerontologist. As you may know, Carol is the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She's board chair at the National Council on Aging. And in her spare time is head of community relations for WellMed Medical Management. That's you stay busy.
2: I stay busy. We all stay busy. Well, we do. But I'm, I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, we've got a very neat guest coming up in just a short while, Dr. Eva Lopez. If you've thought about... Uh understanding what you eat, when you eat, and why you eat it, Dr. Lopez uh, can give you a whole lot of answers. And a segue into that, uh, you've done a lot of research on this topic, eight ways to wake up with more energy.
2: Yes, this was a good topic for me today because You're I woke tired up. tired today. Tired today. It's cloudy. It's been cloudy for it's a while. Day. I think it's sad, sad syndrome sitting <laughs> in, which we never get rain. Uh, but we've had a lot of cloudy days. So I was interested. This came from Grandparents Magazine. And it was saying, you know, obviously that you to want to wake up with more energy, you have to get enough sleep. Which, okay, that was a good recommendation. And that simply means, you know, stay away from the caffeine. Don't look at your computer screen right before you go to bed because your body thinks like that's the sun. It's Those computer screens are so yeah. bright. They actually can wake you up and disrupt your circadian rhythms of you know being awake sleep when it's dark and be awake when it's light it's just way too much light and you don't want to ex. a lot of people don't want to exercise at all so don't take up exercising right before bedtime
0: bad time bad
2: time so that's getting enough sleep and this one now this one would is hard for me it says always go to bed and wake up at the same time even on weekends
0: i used to work overnights uh, midnight to six uh, and I would try to keep that schedule on weekends. It's real tough.
2: Yeah, that one for me would be really hard. Um, they said, you know, if you are one of those people who likes to hit the snooze button, don't hit the snooze button because you're not really going back to sleep. You're kind of cheating and skimming along in a half-unconscious state. And you, then you wake up just feeling even more tired because you haven't really been sleeping with a snooze. That's true. Although I can think of some mornings when I think I was, like, out and yeah. dreaming completely. <laughs> um, drink water when you first get up. This one is was interesting. I was reading an article on flight attendants were talking about jet lag, and the one lady was absolutely maintaining that you never get jet lag. If you stay hydrated, you just drink as much water as you can the whole time you're flying. Huh. And so, apparently, drinking water when you first get up, you lose a lot of, you're dehydrated usually. Um, and that can help give you that energy boost. There are supermodels that say drink water when you get up. As opposed and, to and coffee. And all of us want to listen to the supermodels. Yeah, we do. Yeah. 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 Or they want supermodels to be talking to us, one of the two. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not sure which. And then, you know, we talked about now you can turn on your computer screen when you get up. Or or the sun, if you would prefer natural light. But open the blinds, get the light hit you. That you know, I know my sister loves to wake up and uh, have the sun just hitting her in the face, and and that helps you feel less tired. Um, and in I- our
0: household, the worst invention ever is the smartphone where you can shop. Because many a night I'll see light blinking off the ceiling. Uh, Gina,
2: oh, it's okay. I'm just
0: just doing a little shopping. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Shopping all day and all night. All night. That's like the sun. Yeah. All right. Exactly. So, so if you exercise is best in the morning, if you get up early enough to do that and you want to eat that, and and um, Dr. Lopez is going to be talking about breakfast. Yes. I'm sure because it is important. And you eat that high-protein breakfast and you're going to feel great all day.
0: It's Dr. Eva Lopez will be joining us in just a few minutes. So those are pretty good tips.
2: Yeah. I like them.
0: And more yeah. energy would be a good thing for a whole lot of people. Now. You exercise, you do flamenco dancing, you look to be in pretty good shape. Uh, some other person could do exactly what
2: you do and just be a mess. I know. If you go to the gym and you see those people who are you know, wondering, do that? Is that all they do is exercise? Or you take a class with somebody and you're not getting all, you're not you're not looking as buff as they are looking. What's going on with that? Well, it's genetics. And, of course, we have a rat study for that. Ooh, I love rat studies we study rats so how do you figure out why some people get more fit and other people there's some studies that actually show they get worse that you know they do all this aerobic exercise and they have less aerobic ability after wow. they've been training which something is horribly wrong so to figure this out they married really fit rats with really fit lady rats that like to work out and seem to get the most benefit from working out and then they married the little rats who didn't get buff with the lady rats who didn't get buff. So you had the fit rats and the not-so-fit rats. And you know they found out that there are actually genetic reasons that some people really do get worse when they exercise. They can't get better with that particular type of exercise. So the bottom line from studying the little rats is if you are working out and you really aren't getting any better you need to do a different workout because you're not getting you it's not making any difference and you're actually making yourself exhausted which would be very telling. A lot of people say, I go to the gym and I don't get any better. I just get exhausted. Maybe they're telling the truth. This is science out of the New York Times. Well,
0: then it's got to be true.
2: It has to be true. So if your exercise isn't working for you, go lift weights, go swimming, do something else because you're right. You're not getting any better.
0: In your experience, and by the way, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, brought to you by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zernial. now we've covered more energy. We've covered why some are more fit than others. Uh, Let's go down the path with those who have lost their spouses, especially women. Uh, And they end up often in a situation where they have no idea what kind of money they have. They have no idea what kind of shape they are in. And you've got some answers when you take a look at uh, how to avoid those financial hardships for widows.
2: Well, this comes from uh, Richard Eisenberg, who we had on the show a few weeks was ago. A good guess. He's a He writes for Next Avenue, nextavenue.org, where um, a lot of great information is. And he really was looking at he looked at about the um, studies that had about 900 uh, women in it that were widows, or I'm sorry, 900 widows and widowers. And across the board, the widows, the women, were in much worse shape than the men. Uh, in terms of especially that first year after the loss of a loved one. And we've got a lot of caregivers on the show who are spousal caregivers, and their loved one may pass away. Um, And about more than a third of them said that they really had financial difficulties uh, during that first year and that they lost a lot of income. Uh, And so what Richard was recommending in talking to some other experts is that, you know, we really do have to have those conversations. It can't be men doing all the investing and knowing everything about money and the women not knowing anything. And I tend to let my husband, you know, I don't like all those numbers. So, you know, I you know, and we just don't know all of that information. So um, getting, really asking the questions, I mean, it's that, wouldn't it be nice to know, if I'm not here, what would you want your loved one to know about where you have money stashed where you have life insurance policies, where you have passwords. So it really is getting back to that whole sharing of information, uh, and that can make things a lot easier, as can consolidating. If you have 25 bank accounts and you're a caregiver with a loved one, don't have 25 bank accounts. You need to consolidate, and the day will come, whether you pass first or your loved one passes first, that it will make everything much, much easier for the surviving spouse if you'll consolidate, share passwords, and share information. So
0: the answer, I don't want you to worry your sweet little head about this.
2: That's right. You need to worry your sweet little head about that um, because otherwise you're you're not going to know. And if your spouse won't talk to you, if your relatives won't engage with you in having these discussions, leave them a list, the after I'm gone list. So they will thank you for it posthumously. Good point. They will thank you.
0: Quickly, got about a minute left. Estate planning for your pet.
2: Well, don't forget your pet. I mean, you may have heard that Joan Rivers left um, part of her estate uh, of $150 million to her four rescue puppies. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, you need to take care of your pets. If you love your pets and they're important in your life, there are financial vehicles. You can set up a pet trust that designates someone to take care of your pets and gives them the money to take care of your pets and even tells them what how you want the money spent in terms of medical care. So if you love your pets, don't forget them. When you're setting up that will, you can do a pet trust.
0: Good idea. Thank you. Dr. Eva Lopez, up next, we're going to tell you everything you need to know about reading labels and food and fit and fat and more. Coming up right here on Caregiver SOS on air, Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zernial, You hear us at 930 a.m., The Answer. All you have to do is look around and you see that, Folks are getting older and when that happens, Dr. Robin Eykoff, what do they do for medical care?
3: Well, you know, I'm glad you asked, because at Wellmed we have a whole cadre of doctors who are specialized in just taking care of seniors.
0: Is there a difference treating somebody who's seventy five, eighty, eighty five versus twenty, thirty,
3: forty? Well, it's a little more challenging because obviously they got a lot of more use on their body. But The concepts are the same, eat right, exercise, and practice preventative medicine. And at WellMed, we do all of those things, and we help you achieve that.
0: And I understand you spend more time with your patients than a lot of other Medicare clinics.
3: We do, and it's not time spent in the waiting room. It's time spent with the providers, it's time spent with the nurses, and it's time spent with the staff.
0: You want to become a WellMed patient, it's easy. Just call 615-WELL, 210-615-WELL to look for and hook up with a well-med doc. Well, we are so pleased you're sticking with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zernial, And as we have been promising, we are delighted to be joined by Dr. Eva Lopez, a physician raised here in San Antonio. And she spent a whole lot of time at San Antonio institution. She went to the University of Texas at San Antonio undergrad, UT Health Science Center for grad school, and then off to Oklahoma to do her residency, and then right back here for a period of time. She was a hospitalist working with WellMed Medical Management, now off on her own hanging out doing emergency room work. But the way I know Dr. Lopez, first of all, welcome. Nice to see you.
4: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: I was visiting with my WellMed physician, uh, Dr. Richard Presses, and I said, you know, Richard, I'm getting a little chunky here. I need to do something. And he said, 911, call Eva Lopez. And so I did. And it was a great opportunity not only uh, to take some weight off, but to learn about foods. And that, Carol Zerno, is why I thought she'd be great on the show because not only does she read labels, she can interpret them for us.
2: Which is a wonderful gift and a skill, and I know that that's like, that was 60 pounds ago or so for you. Exactly. So it's been a wonderful experience.
0: Well, one of the things, Dr. Lopez, that really surprised me when we talked about this, and you do uh, programs for, uh, for women and for men and for uh, all kinds of folks on how to look at a label, read a label, understand a label. And, and for a long period of time, all I looked at was fat. If it was low in fat, I figured that's good. That's all I read.
4: And there's a lot more to it than just that. There really is. Um... I mean, I can kind of give you a quick down and dirty of how to do a label. So if anybody's out there and you want to get a grab a label real quick, well, I can just walk you through it just uh, in no time at all. You know, the one thing you want to look at initially is, um, is your serving size. You know, is it a half a cup? Is it one slice? Is it one can? Something like that. Because that means that all of that information on the label pertains to whatever that serving size is. You know, some people make the mistake of thinking, okay, if I'm going to eat the whole can, this label gives me the whole can, but it doesn't. So you have to be careful and actually look at that serving size and then sometimes say you have a package of I say espresso coffee beans because I love Starbucks right (laughs) and uh, and maybe it says a serving size is um, a third of a bag so then you have to kind of eyeball it but it's important to keep attention to that Um, and then calories of course pertains to that serving Um, and then going down fat sodium carbohydrates one thing you need to remember with carbohydrates though if you're on a special diet that's telling you, you know, you have to be on so many grams of carbohydrates a day, there's a couple of things you need to look for in the next two lines. One of them is fiber. Now, fiber goes through your system. It's unabsorbed, doesn't affect your blood sugar level or your insulin so level. So what goes in comes out with fiber. Absolutely. It's Thank best you. friend. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> Keep I, it I irregular. Get, I get that. I understand I only mention <laughs> it
0: because we are told that most Americans don't eat enough fiber.
4: That's true. That's true. And uh, they don't drink enough water either. So if you did those two things, that could take care of a lot of patient problems with constipation. Absolutely. So again, subtract your fiber and then subtract sugar alcohols to get your true number of total carbohydrates. And then, of course, it'll give you how many grams of protein. So you can get all your information from here, just knowing from your doctor how much you're supposed to have of each one or ballpark it.
0: And when it comes to uh, total caloric intake, men and women, of course, are different. And I think most of us have no real idea of what we ought to be eating. I, for a long time, was on the See It diet. I saw it, and I ate it, and paid no attention to how many calories I was eating. If you take a look at Carol, and I have been to lunches and dinners with Carol. uh, She exercises a lot, does flamingo dancing, but she will eat almost anything but in very small portions.
4: And that's important. It really is important. You know, if you're thinking of protein and you're really trying to watch your waistline, you know, think of a, a portion of protein as being the size and the thickness of the palm of your hand as a good as a good indicator of a portion size. Think of a vegetable portion as being a cup. Make a fist. That's a cup. Now, some guys have bigger hands than women, so maybe it should be, you know, half a fist in that respect, okay? Um, but that's a good way to kind of eyeball it. And think of it as fitting on one plate. And what I usually tell people... You know, if you remember back in the day when we got married, and everybody had special china, and it was these big old plates, think of downsizing that to a sandwich plate, and that's actually more reasonable um, amounts to be having. In
0: fact, if you you go into some restaurants, uh, plates take about eight waiters to bring them out to the table. Oh
2: yeah, I was at one recently where you know it's like the meat tray with the big silver thing, and they it covers it fills the whole side of your table, and that was your plate. For one person, and it's like 12, way too much. 12 pounds of fajita meat.
0: Now, what uh, <laughs> Dr. Robin Eickhoff, We uh, I do a show called Woman Radio with her, and one of the things she does, if she's served a portion which is way out of line, she asks for a to-go box before she touches the food, cuts it in half or even more, and puts that part in the to-go box before she eats and it's a pretty good tip you, you, you put your thumbs up you think so
4: absolutely I tell patients to do that and I tell them that whatever's left on the plate to rearrange it to the center of the plate because your brain is so important in making you feel full or hungry and if you put it in the center of the plate then your brain's not saying oh I'm only eating half a plate full and I'm still hungry so put it away and then the other thing you can do is if you've got somebody going to lunch with you your spouse your best friend or whatever some places because of their portion size just order one plate. It's going to save you money, split it between the two of you, much, much better.
0: Uh, How did you get into this field? You, You spent a lot of time... I know working in hospitals, you still uh, do work at a uh, uh, hospital emergency room. The thing I love about Eva, I can text her at 3 in the morning and she answers right away because she <laughs> works the overnight shift. I, I, hope,
2: I hope you're not saying, do you think these cookies have too many calories for me, doctor? I
0: think it's a private conversation between my doctor uh, yeah, and Yeah, jo- that
2: would be a HIPAA violation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't exactly. answer that. <laughs> the,
0: so the the medical side that you're doing, both in your – counseling practice and in the hospital what do you really
4: like oh i i love the preventive part i mean being able to teach people how to change change your nutrition i call it better health through better nutrition it's amazing what your body can do when it gets the nutrition it needs and in in perfect quantities, you know, not too much, not too little. That's important. And we're able to get people off of their diabetes medicine, their high blood pressure, their cholesterol medicine, just by changing their lifestyle. You know, a lot of people may... um, Uh, start changing their lifestyles, for example, diabetics. Their blood sugars go down, and sometimes people give them erroneous advice like, well, when your blood sugar drops, eat more. No. (laughs) (laughs) The whole idea is let's control your diet, and if you're overweight, let's help you lose weight. And what if you could cure your disease? What if you could improve it and take less meds? Would it be worth it?
0: Now, one of the things that uh, I I learned from you, and and we really uh, don't learn this enough, and, and that is you're better off eating Several meals a day in smaller portions, and uh, four or five, six times a day, rather than one, two, or three. Giant meals. Exactly. Now, why is that?
4: Exactly. Especially if you want to maintain metabolism. A lot of people come in and they say, I can't lose weight. I'm eating one time a day. And I tell them, that's why you're eating once a day. So think of it this way. We live in Colorado. It's really cold and snowy outside. And the first thing you do in the morning is you've got to make a fire in the fireplace, right? So that's why it's so important to have breakfast. Crude or critical, that is truly the most important meal of the day. So you're starting that fire in the fireplace. But if you go to work and you come back at 6 o'clock at night, what happens to that fire? It's It's out. (laughs) It's gone. But if you're home every two or three hours, you're going to throw another log on the fire, right? Same thing when you're eating. Number one, it's going to keep your metabolism up. Number two, if you eat the right types of nutrients, it's going to keep you full and your metabolism is going to soar.
0: Now, what are the foods that fill us up and make us feel full? And by the way, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, brought to you by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. I'm Ron Aaron. Along with Carol Zernio, we're talking with Dr. Eva Lopez, who uh, is a specialist in, uh, in a whole lot, including a figure skating judge. We'll talk about that later. But when it comes to food and food choices, uh, there are foods that just burn right through you. You know, the old joke is you have a Chinese meal, you're hungry in 20 minutes, right? Uh, are there foods that do fill you up?
4: Yes, protein is really good to help fill you up. Now, if you have some different medical problems, you may have a cap on the amount of protein, and that's something that we definitely watch in our patients. But for the most part, protein, every time you have one of those little snacks, and I call them snacks, not meals, um, it's important to have a little bit of protein with it because that's going to help keep you full. And by the next time you get to the next snack, you may not be hungry, but just having a little bit is going to make it go a long way.
0: And a little bit, uh, one of the things I thought of the other day was you have mentioned you could have a tablespoon of peanut butter and that'll help fill you up
4: it will and i love
0: peanut butter all
2: right my son has like will do like a tablespoon of peanut butter for a snack when he gets hungry your son the doctor no my son the high school soon to be high school graduate glad he's not (laughs) sitting in the studio here he he would hate my my talking about him well we've
0: (laughs) had him here ben is a uh, perhaps future broadcaster cool and he did a great job. Got a great voice,
2: awesome. and, and he likes peanut butter. So, so you know, I recently changed my breakfast diet. From I used to eat cereal every morning, raisin bran or many wheats or something, and I switched to a protein diet because a well met doctor, Doctor Lane, uh, was telling talk to my husband about almond butter, and we switched to almond butter on toast, which is still a carb, but. May, uh, you can, one one slice of toast with almond butter, and uh, usually I'm starving by 10 a.m. I'd be good till lunchtime. Mm-hmm. Really made
4: a big difference.
0: But you would suggest you have a snack in between breakfast and lunch.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one thing you could do, too, instead of the toast, just a suggestion, would be apples. Slice apples, apples, make apples make me with peanut hungry. butter. I don't know what that is. I, I look at an apple.
2: I'm hungry. I eat an apple. I'm starving.
4: And you know, they're actually listed <laughs> as one of the top six foods to help keep you full.
2: I don't know what that is. They make me hungry. I'm the anti-apple Pickles, too. Oh, pickles. (laughs) So for those of you who get hungry eating apples like I do, I understand what you're going through. So
0: have a pickle, right? Have a pickle. (laughs) I want to talk in just a couple more minutes about for the caregiver, who uh, we know on this show we've had many caregivers on as guests. Uh, Carol has been a caregiver. Uh, When you talk about not taking care of yourself, they're the poster child. So let's talk about ways in which they can manage what they eat, make it simple because they're taking care of someone as well. All of that and more coming up here on Caregiver SOS on air with our very special guest, Dr. Eva Lopez. I'm Ron Aaron along with Carol Zernia. Where do you hear us? On 930 AM, the answer. <laughs> so pleased you're with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Along with Carol Zernial. we have a special guest today, Dr. Eva Lopez, uh, who, among other things, is a specialist in diet, health, exercise, weight management, and weight loss. And for those of you who are caregivers, I think one of the challenges, and uh, Carol, we see this at the Caregiver SOS centers. We see this at some of the senior centers. Very often, folks who are caregivers, Dr. Lopez, tend to put weight on because they're Not exercising. They're not eating the right foods. Uh, Often they eat from stress. So it's the Texas meal of choice, Big Red and Chips.
4: Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, one of the clues to not going down that road and gaining weight and whatnot is to be prepared. And I know sometimes that can be a little difficult to do. But, for example, if you if you did some things like take the little Ziploc um, snack bags and cut up some cucumbers or some celery, get one of the little gifs to go. That's something that's a fast and easy thing. Um, you know, have some lean turkey and some slices of cheese, something like that that you can just take along with you that doesn't take any preparation, you know, that will help to get you through. If they're, if you're in a hospital with your loved one, you can try and make some of the right choices. A simple salad, you know, if they have some chicken, take the skin off, something like that. So you can try and make the right choices to get it through, but it's going to be important to have some little snacks, string cheese, things like that that are portable uh, to keep you going during the day.
0: Now, one of the things I know you directly people <clears throat> away from are processed foods. And what's the difference between a string cheese and a processed cheese?
4: Um, well, you know, there can be a difference in cheeses, yellow and white cheeses. You know, yellow cheeses are higher in cholesterol. The white cheeses are lower in cholesterol. Um, processed cheeses like Velveeta is not a real cheese. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't even – it's a cheese
2: food product.
0: doesn't yes. come out of your cows in Wisconsin. No, 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 no. no.
2: It's, in fact, it's illegal, I'm sure, in Wisconsin to eat Velveeta. Oh, probably. Probably so. <laughs> As it should be. And
0: uh, – you know the tip that uh, you hear a lot is if you go in a grocery store, stay to the outside. Don't go mm-hmm. up the center aisles because
4: main reason is think of it when you go to the grocery store, where is the healthiest part of the grocery? It's where um, the vegetables and the fruits are on the periphery, on the outside, and on the inside is all the what I call the wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, food—the stuff that you can just open up that has all the chips and the cookies and the processed stuff, the trans fat, you know, foods, the things that are just going to fill you up for thirty minutes and then you're hungry again
0: you know there's the trick you are hungry again
4: mm-hmm.
0: and for the caregiver who's thinking about uh, not only eating healthier for themselves but for the person for whom they're providing care uh, it does take planning
4: it does it really does take some planning and you know you talk about being hungry again could we touch on that just a sure. second you know if you guys think about thanksgiving you know you have all these wonderful foods a lot of high carbs and what do you do after lunch
0: you have a turkey sandwich with mayonnaise and lettuce. You
4: take a nap. <laughs> you take <laughs> a, a nap. nap. Take a, I know the answer to this one. <laughs> I went right to the turkey sandwich. You did. You were already on the leftovers, Rod. Uh, Yeah. Well, you take a nap because what happens is you're eating all these foods that spike your blood sugar, and the natural response of your body is to increase insulin, but it does a little bit too much. So it takes it down your blood sugar level that is too low, and you get sleepy. You take a nap and wake up and do what? Eat some more. Yeah, yeah there's exactly. your There's your
2: sandwich, Ron. <laughs> I there's
0: knew I would sandwich. get to that.
4: <laughs> but it's those peaks and valleys that make you hungry, that make you starve. That's why you can have a Big Mac, large fries, and a drink, and within two hours you're starving again. Even though you know?
0: you've eaten 9 million calories.
4: Yes, exactly. So it's important that if you eat the right food, you're going to have a nice, even level of blood sugar and insulin. And I guarantee you, you're not going to get hungry and starve, be starved. Right. And if you're
2: somebody that's have that does have those peaks and valleys with blood sugar, and, and if you have them, you know you have them. I, I think everyone in my family is very sensitive to sugar. Um, that's such a – you feel so much better yes. when you're maintaining a normal metabolism, when you're not starving, You you want to take someone's head off. or
4: Absolutely. I mean, your energy just soars. That's one of the biggest things our patients come in and they're like, okay, I'm not hungry. I have so much energy. I'm concentrating better. I'm focusing better. It just helps so many different aspects.
0: When we make you king for a day, do you eliminate sugar?
4: King for a day. You know what? I don't like a lot of sugar in fried foods because it makes me feel bad. And I think when you're off off of it for a while and you go back to it, uh, I remember one time I'd been off of it for a long, long time, went to Red Lobster and had some fried fish and I felt horrible (laughs) afterwards. Yeah, of course. It's a great negative reinforcement.
0: (laughs) And when you think about uh, making these right food choices, uh, can you teach yourself or does it help to go to someone like you?
4: Well, I think it it helps to at least either read up on it or go to somebody who does this because all it takes is just some. I call them ground rules. You know, we have an hour and a half class and we kind of teach you all the basics and then and then follow with you along on a uh, every couple to four weeks basis. And um, if you're doing something wrong, have you do some diet logs, figure out where we need to go, where we're going wrong, and it makes a big difference.
0: What are the biggest traps for folks who uh, are trying to? Maintain their weight, trying to keep weight off, uh, trying not to go crazy.
4: Trying not to go crazy. The biggest traps. The biggest traps. Um, Food traps. Oh. Fast food traps, just like you said. You know what? You can learn, and I teach our patients, you can go to any fast food restaurant and make the right choices. You know, even, like, for example, you might have some fried chicken, but you take off the skin. You take off the the coating, you know, and have a salad instead of French fries. So, so I think the biggest traps are forgetting to eat, eating too much in quantity, and that's it. If you don't eat, what happens? You're starved, and your quantity goes through the roof.
2: Uh, I always love going to the movie theater or to the... Drive through, and they're like, well, It's only a dime to double the size of that soft drink. And you're like, But I don't want 50 gallons of soft drink. And they're like, It's only a dime. And sugar. Yeah, and sugar. And, you know, and there's a, that's really hard to say no to, mm-hmm. you know, for mm-hmm. some people.
0: It shows you how inexpensive it is to the store, though, if they can double the size for a dime or so. Well,
2: obviously, in the movie theater, it would be $50 <laughs> to double right. the size of exactly. the drink. Exactly. Well, so in dealing with caregivers, we talked a lot about diet, you know, let's talk about a caregiver who's in a very high stress situation, you know, day in and day out, taking care of somebody. Uh, We've talked about their diet. What else should a caregiver be doing um, for themselves and for their loved one to feel better, you know, with all of that stress and maybe not being able to get outside of the house? What should they be thinking
4: about? Um, one thing is rest, which is important. And if they have somebody who can try and help them just, um, to take little cat naps when they're, um, When the patient is sleeping or taking a nap, that's a great time for you to take a nap as well, kind of like when you have a baby. Right, sleep when the baby sleeps. Exactly. That's right. The housework can
2: still wait. It's amazing. It just stays there. You don't have to worry about it going away. Mm -hmm.
4: Make sure you drink enough fluids because you tend to get dehydrated because you're so busy taking care of everything that pops up that you don't take care of basic needs like that. Maybe getting just a little bit of exercise, whether it be just walking around the house. You don't have to go out or have a gym membership. You know, there are things that you can do at home. We teach our patients there are things they can do while sitting on the couch that just gets them a little bit more active so that their muscles don't get.
0: One of the things you talked about, and I love this, was uh, if you're watching a TV show, during the commercial breaks, get up and do some exercise. You can get a sheet on that, uh, The kinds of exercises you can do during that commercial break, which generally can run three to four minutes.
4: Exactly. And there's a lot of different things that you can do. So we'll give our patients a list of different exercises. For example, maybe it's uh, um, lifting your legs up and down and alternating them. Maybe it's taking some uh, cans of vegetables and just using them in your arms like as a, as a weight for working your biceps. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do. And again, the commercial breaks are um, unknown ahead of time, how long, how long they're gonna last.
0: So just keep going. Till the commercial right. ends, You're
4: like, come on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's in the commercials already. You have two reasons to want the commercial. Instead stand. of sitting
0: there eating buttered popcorn. Yes. During the commercial break. No.
4: <laughs> it's much, much better because I have people who say I can't exercise because I'm so tired at night. But it's amazing when you do something, those endorphins, those natural hormones are released.
0: You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air brought to you by the Met Charitable Foundation. I'm Ron Aaron. We have a, a special treat today. Barry Bess, the Boss of Bosses, Program Director, is running our board today. Uh, Roland has the day off. Good for little Roland. Along with Carol Zernial, our co-host, Dr. Eva Lopez, is here, our special guest, a physician. Uh, and if folks want to call your office uh, and come see you, there's no obligation if they come talk to you.
4: No. I, I mean, they can come by. We can do some metabolic analysis and see where they're at.
0: And you can call her at 210-650-5515. No, uh, 690. 690? No, 690. 690 5515. 690 5515. Maybe that's why I never get your office. <laughs> say,
2: who, who are you calling at 3 in the morning? Who is that?
0: I text her and she answers, but that's a different number. That's her cell phone, which I won't give out. As you think about uh, the state of America today, and when you drive around, you look at folks walking down the street, standing at bus stops. We, we have a society that, that, even though we fight it, is still grossly overweight. And what does that bring with it health-wise?
4: Oh, all the increased risk for all of our our diseases, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, and therefore your risk for heart disease. It all comes together. And you're amazing. Things have really changed because remember when we were little, we played outside all the time. And these days our children don't seem to play outside as much. They're inside with computers and a lot of other things.
2: I know there's a report recently about a mother who was turned in because she let her child walk to school. She's I saw turned, that story. Yeah, it it's turned, turned into Child Protective Services because she let her child walk to school. That's just crazy. You know the rest, and, and maybe it's. I mean, when we were kids, everybody was walking to school, right. so it wasn't like right. we were the only person on the street. It well, it can crowd. be
0: dangerous, but you do so uh, depending on the neighborhood and you do it wisely. Go
2: out and walk with your children. It,
0: not a bad idea. Not a bad
2: idea. Or organize a group of kids together. Go skating. Go skating. Go ice skating, for those of you who've never seen the ice. And that's
0: the other side of Dr. Lopez. I always <laughs> love asking our guests, what would they be people would be surprised to learn? And you have been a competitive figure skater.
4: Yes. Growing I'm, up
0: in San Antonio, not a lot of ice here.
4: Not a lot of ice, but I took it up at the ripe old age of 38. Had never been on skates before and got a coach and lost 100 pounds, which is why I have a passion for what we do, and went to nationals in 2006 and got a medal. Wow. Wonderful.
0: <laughs> and
2: so now what? you're
4: a judge. Now I'm a judge. I'm so working my do, way up the ranks. Do you
2: do the spinning and the jumping? The spins and, and, and the all the of that. Jumps and everything. Which is your favorite spin or jump?
4: Oh my gosh. Sit spin? A sit spin. Sit spin. Um, and then my favorite jump, I like the combination jumps where you do like two or three in a row. Probably Who doesn't a, like Probably that? a flip loop. Something like
2: that? Yeah, flip-loop. Hey, there you go. (laughs) Actually, I do know it. No, I took ice skating. I know what a flip-loop is. And the sit-spin, you know, that's where you have to be flexible because you're down low to the ice and spinning around. We're
0: going to say goodbye to Dr. Lopez now. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. I'm Ron Aaron along with Carol Zernial. Up next, Take 10 with Dr. Jamie Heisman, Carol Zernial, and moi. All you have to do is look around and you see that folks are getting older. And when that happens, Dr. Robin Eickhoff, what do they do for medical care?
3: Well, you know, I'm glad you asked, because at WellMed, we have a whole cadre of doctors who are specialized in just taking care of seniors.
0: Is there a difference treating somebody who's 75, 80, 85 versus 20, 30,
3: 40? Well, it's a little more challenging, because obviously they've got a lot of more use on their body. But... The concepts are the same, eat right, exercise, and practice preventative medicine. And at WellMed, we do all of those things, and we help you achieve that. And
0: I understand you spend more time with your patients than a lot of other Medicare clinics.
3: We do, and it's not time spent in the waiting room. It's time spent with the providers, it's time spent with the nurses, and it's time spent with the staff.
0: You want to become a WellMed patient, it's easy. Just call 615-WELL, 210-615-WELL to look for and hook up with a well-med doc. Well, toward the end of each of our Caregiver SOS on-air programs, we bring you Take 10 with Dr. Jamie Heisman, nationally known psychotherapist, deals with addictions and caregiving, and Carol Zernial, who is a nationally known gerontologist, and our co-host here on Caregiver SOS on-air. I'm Ron Aaron. Each of our Take Tens, by the way, is available as a standalone podcast. Just go to caregiversos.org and you will find them under podcasts. That's new,
2: and that's new. The Take well, Tens are new. She's been there for
0: quite a while. Oh, None of us ever looked. Yeah, okay. it's there. It's new when you go there
2: the first time. It's Correct. It's new to you. Yes, exactly. Hi, Jamie. So
0: for, Hi, ca- for caregivers, Dr. Jamie and Carol, who do the same thing. Day after day after day, uh, gets a little tedious.
2: It, when nothing is new, it's the opposite. When nothing is new ever, and it is the same thing. So, Jamie, what you know, what is that the effect of tedium and boredom on people. caregivers and people in general?
1: Well, care is a tremendous quality of life issue, and it afflicts really at the at the worst at the heart of it our seniors. And to be frank, you've heard me say this, and you've said it all the time. Again, isolation seems to be the cancer of the caregiver's soul. But boredom really leads to a lot of emotional issues. It really does. So before we get to some solutions here, let me depress the audience for, for a bit. Because if one is bored and throughout you know any span of time, there's the feelings of, of worthlessness that follow, a feeling that life is no longer kind of worth living. And It's accompanied by restlessness. And finally, the ultimate is if you sit long enough, you're going to feel unloved and uncared for. So that's the byproduct of of being bored over time.
0: None of those things are good.
1: No, none of them are good. In fact, this seems to be, again, not to equate it with with the, the, the worst possible thing, we equate it with suicide, but it is a slow emotional suicide to become isolated, continually bored, be in a tedious sort of energy field, and not touching things that touch us to create that biochemical sort of response, if you will.
0: So you're not producing any endomorphins or endorphins.
1: Right, you're not producing endorphins. You're also not stimulating the body in any way, shape, or form that, that's gonna avoid, I should say, episodes of depression. So just think if you, God forbid, or certainly many of our living our, our, our audience here, and, and myself included, has some sort of a medical challenge mm-hmm. Um, that can be exacerbated by depression. Well, often we say take some medication because psychopharmacology works well with depression, but if you're going to be there isolated feeling this tedium, if you will, you know you're actually pouring oil on fire for the the medical condition that you actually have.
2: And a lot of people don't realize that connection that between depression and any kind of chronic illness or disease, it it, make, it does, it exaggerates what's wrong with you. It makes everything worse. It suppresses your immune system, um, and you're much likely to suffer some sort of adverse effect of your, being, you know, of your heart disease or your high cholesterol or whatever.
0: But, Dr. Jamie, f- for the caregiver, uh, assuming you're caring for someone, uh, whatever the issues may be, but days become the same. Medication at such and such a time, eat here, toilet there walk here, back to bed, day after day after day. How do you break that cycle?
1: Well, Ron, again, you know me, I'm going to go back to the addiction world and the definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing over, over, and over again, expecting a different result. So caregivers of seniors, you know, at all age levels, really, their mental acuity can suffer. Uh, they got to find stimulating activities, not just for themselves, but also their loved one, whether that's I don't know, physical movement, social interaction, and brain teasers, but something you have to do. And, and my feeling after all is said and done, when we start prescribing these lists of, of things for somebody to do is intuitively and common sense, we know when we're isolating and when we're not. And if we are, connect to something.
0: And it doesn't matter what you connect to, something that stimulates you.
1: Well, I do believe that whatever if you're going to reach out and, and really feel some connection, I would make it the, the most valuable sort of best effort you could possibly do. Certainly um, me, going to a support group would fall, you know, under that category because not only are you stimulating yourself educationally and emotionally, but you're also finding friends. You're also actually helping. You know, that's a beautiful thing of, of this getting beyond the tedium is volunteering in, in places where people are, are less fortunate or you feel they are because when, just like a support group, when you give back, you often emotionally receive.
0: Then give the caregiver the answer to this question in just a moment. Let me remind folks, you're listening to Take 10 on Caregiver SOS on air. We come to you on 930 a.m. The Answer, and delighted to be here every week with Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zernial for Take 10. I'm Ron Aaron. So the caregiver who says, Dr. Jamie, you know, that sounds great, but I can't get out of here. I can't go volunteer. There's nobody who can do what I do for Papa.
1: Wow. That's a mantra, Carol, isn't it?
2: We hear it all the time.
1: You hear it all the time. How often do you also hear that at caregiver SOS? I mean, I know we're preaching to the choir, but to Ron's point, these are people who actually have kind of taken what Ron has said and said, wow, maybe I need a moment to educate myself and to energize myself, and let me go to a caregiver SOS. Maybe I don't have the Superman or Superwoman cape that Ron's describing. Maybe I might need something of self-care for myself.
2: Well, and a, and a lot of people, you know, it's there's we've talked about in the past this perfectionism, you know, as if that's even possible. But that this feeling that everything has to be perfect, perfectly safe, perfectly done, perfectly everything, without realizing that you know sometimes okay is okay. It's not perfect, but you know as long as your loved one is safe and cared for. That's okay because it does allow you to do something different, to connect with other people, to get education. And somewhere you have to come to terms with, it you, it doesn't have to be perfect. You can let go some of that control.
1: Well, and to Ron's point, exactly what he said, and to yours as well, this perfectionism usually manifests itself in exactly the response you know, Ron just gave. Um, i can 't get out i i 'm the only one who can help this person i 'm the one who can actually change the course of this chronic illness i 'm the all and powerful wizard of Oz and and to to a great extent you know that's that 's the deal that that is that sort of that feeling of of, of that I can only do it that 's the perfectionism that, that you're was trying. my mother right
0: it was my mama well, when we tried feeling, to Ron, you know, try, tried to get her help for my dad no no i, I look I believed in in sickness and in health, I, t- I take that very seriously, and, and I I can do this. It's my responsibility, and I love him. I'll do this.
1: Well, you know, Ron, I had a question this week from United Health TV from a, a a viewer, and they asked me. They said, "I'm a caregiver, but I'm also a mother. How do I know which one is which?" And I said, "As a parent, you know, you're fair, consistent, and available. Um, as a caregiver, you're fair and consistent, but caregiving is a team effort, so you may not be available." You may have to delegate. You may have to bring people in to do what you think you would do. There is a definite distinction, even though there's a lot of crossover.
0: And is tedium a common factor across the board in caregiving?
1: Well, I'm certain that, that you've got a tremendous amount of anecdotes. Carol does from Caregiver SOS. I can only tell you that I think they go part and parcel. I think people get really tired and overwhelmed by caregiving simply because they a, have the viewpoint that you just mentioned, that they're the be-all, end-all. And two, life gets so damn tedious. And so going out to a movie or, or forcing yourself, going, let's say, to a Costco and buying 10 movie, movie theater tickets or something that will get you out of the house or bowling or, or support groups, um, th- those are the things I think we have to do. I think tedium is just like an emotional illness.
2: Well, and, and on a small scale, it breaking you know, that monotony can be eating breakfast outside on the patio Um, opening a window, playing some music, uh, picking music that your loved one would have liked, maybe music from, you know, their youth or their heyday, you know, usually it's music when they were in, the the person was in their twenties, um, you know, something like that, just to shake it up a little bit, you know, have chocolate for dessert.
1: Carol, you you just said, you put your finger on it. When life itself is routine, I mean, we we really just have to shake it up, I mean, and do something different here. So maybe it's not some monumental thing to go somewhere. But just like you said, Carol, maybe it's things around us we can change that routine with.
0: You want a vivid difference in age that comes right through the car radio? You mentioned... Yes, yes, listening to your music, yes. Yes, I get in the car and and my wife has satellite. She's listening to 80s on 8 and I change it to 50s on (laughs) 5.
3: That's right.
1: do you, have, do you have a marriage mediator for that?
0: Uh, we, we, we reach a uh, satisfactory conclusion they to that. They
2: play the 60s on six. Which is we're flat out <laughs> of time.
0: Thank you, Dr. Jamie. Thank, Thank you, Carol. Thank I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 a.m. The answer. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program at wellmed.net. And join your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM, The Answer.